A prominent doctor wakes up to find his wife brutally murdered. And there are two options here. He did it, or someone else got away with the perfect murder. But this case goes down in history for even more than that. It is a foundational case on how we navigate the balance between freedom of press and the right to a fair trial. My friends, we are going to school today. We are your hosts, Helen Allen. And Sherry Ferreira. Why are you laughing through that? Because I hate school. I'm, I've been graduated. You better try that again. We are your hosts, Helen Allen. And Sherry Ferreira. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. Bitch, I gave you a short episode, and you're going to give yourself a fucking pain in the ass and a half because you're going to laugh through it and make it impossible to edit yourself out. The thing about Helen is she's never wrong. That's the thing about Helen. She's never fucking wrong. The thing about Sherry is she's not putting this in the episode. No. Maybe I will. I kind of, I don't know. We'll see. I quit. I quit this thing. This thing we do. You can't. You can't. We're dedicated. We have fans now. Shout out to to fans. Hi, fans. Thanks for sticking with us and not canceling us when I said the word homeless. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was like the biggest... It's so much. Yeah, I, I, let's just open this up to talk for real quick, um, and you can edit this out of the episode or put it in, later in the episode or whatever, um, but I do think it's worth addressing. On this podcast, we are going to say what we say, um, and, <laughs> you know, it's for us to be able to be authentic and to just talk and make this fun to listen to and make this sound like you're hanging out with two friends, just like we want it to be for you. You're going to have to understand that sometimes we say things that aren't perfect, and it's totally within your rights to call us out on it and we welcome it as long as it is in a kind and constructive way yeah exactly so yeah we we totally welcome that with open arms um and we're gonna mess up here and you're gonna be there for the for the ride right cause... thanks for listening you can follow us no, I'm <laughs> Let's see I just release this clip <laughs> oh, God. all right let's get to it Sam and Marilyn Shepard married in 1945 on February 21st, and they settled near Lake Erie, Ohio. They had their first child two years later, and he would go to be named Chip. Um, Sam was a <laughs> neuros. That's not his full name, right? It's not. Oh, I don't know. It's not just Chip. Oh, <laughs> okay. Chip. Chip Shepard. The boy it's is like, Chip no way, Shepard. Just... You know what? Enough, Sherry. Leave him alone. <laughs> His name is Chip, and it's none of your business what his right. name is. You're right. I'm, I'm just nosy. <laughs> anyway, Sam was a neurosurgeon, um, and the couple was believed to have had a very happy marriage. They lived in, like, a small neighborhood, like a little small suburban community, um, and all of the neighbors were friends. Ooh, okay. On July 3rd, 1954, the Shepherds hosted their neighbors for dinner and drinks and a movie. After that, everybody had lots of fun, and then Sam fell asleep on the couch just after midnight, and Marilyn ended up being the one to, like, say goodbye to all the guests and do all of that, which is like, okay, Sam, Typical you gotta man. be such a man. Typical man. I know. Leave it to Typical her. Man. She's now gotta do all the fucking dishes so that no bugs crawl all over the counters. I, I-, I don't like it. 
Sam, if, if, if we learned anything from this, it's that Sam could have done a goddamn dish. Just one. Anyway. At 5.40 a.m., Mayor Spencer Hoke awoke to a phone call from Sam. In quotes, he said, My God, Spence, get over here quick. I think they have killed Marilyn. So Hoke and his wife got to the house and found Sam shirtless in his study and holding his neck in, quote, a state of shock. That's what they told authorities later. Okay. They then called the police. So just note, he called the mayor before he called the police, which... I don't... Okay, weirdly connected? Like, what's the mayor gonna... I don't... Well, so, the mayor was, like, a good friend of Sam's, so I don't know... I can't answer it, honestly. I don't know if he was doing it because he was just, like, in such a state of disbelief that he was, like, I I need my friend to come see this. But also, I don't know if he was, like, I need my friend to come see this before the police see it. Or, I don't know, you know what I mean? Or like, I feel like there could be totally... Like... Okay, or, 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 or. Maybe let's get my friend the mayor in on it so the police don't suspect me. So the police won't be all up in your business. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Do mayors hold that much weight? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. A murder? I feel like (laughs) Mayor Mark, they'd be like, dude, step aside. Right. Like, go back on Twitter. Or it's so over here. (laughs) So, So then they called the police. The police report states that Marilyn's body was lying upwards. Her face was turned towards the door. And she was beaten beyond recognition. She had over 20 gashes curved deep into her face and scalp. Jesus. Blood covered the sheets and the walls were dripping with heavy spatter. Her pajamas were partially removed, leaving her pretty exposed. Um, And the autopsy determined her death to be about at 4.30 in the morning. Okay. Was she found on her bed? Yes. So she was laying on the bed. Okay. Um, Okay. She was also four months pregnant with her second child, who was also a boy. Cut the mic. Cut the mic. That's so brutal. I know. It's really devastating. Now, Sam says he was asleep downstairs when he heard Marilyn shout his name. He ran up to the bedroom to find Marilyn being attacked by a, quote, white form. They fought him in the white form, um, but Sam was hit on the back of his neck and knocked out. When he came to, Marilyn was dead, and the, quote, white form was gone. Sam ran to Chip's room to see him sleeping soundly, and so then he ran downstairs to see the, quote, white form running out the door. He notes that he had bushy hair. So now, just because this made me lost, I was like, so we're white form. Is he, is this a ghost? Is this a man? Yeah, I was like, is he just white? I don't know. It's like, Sam, you are too. I don't... (laughs) Sam's like, I can tell when they named their son Chip. (laughs) (laughs) If you are not the teacup in the Beauty and the Beast, (laughs) what? That guy's name is Chip. I'm just saying. It's a good name because of that, you know? But yeah, it's so white. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Anyway, he did note that this, quote, white form had bushy hair and that Sam chased him down the shore of Lake Erie. He, quote, lunged or jumped and grasped at the form on the beach and then, quote, I felt myself twisting or choking and this determined my consciousness. So, I... I, He was being choked? (laughs) Listen, 
I've read this over and over and I've been like, what do you think he means? And I, I don't know. I, for the life of me, I could not tell you what he means. I don't know why he's saying white form. If you're just talking about a white man, say white man. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, why are you making this all mumbo jumbo for people to be confused? Like, it's almost like he is trying to confuse people. Yeah. And be like, oh, it was this magical thing that happened. But at the same time, it's like, he's a neurosurgeon. He is a smart man. So it's like, did he really think that... Right. Like, I, I, I just feel like a smart man wouldn't think white form would be, like, the thing that throws police off their track. Like, the fact he said white form almost proves his innocence to me. Just, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm like, what a dumbass. Yeah, Why would he frame himself like that? that? What do you think? My question is, what year is this? 1954. Oh, so I just think that's the way they talked. I just think he was like, I saw a white form by the door. Like, you okay. know, I just I think it was I said 1954, that. not 1854. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel like a lot of films, even back then, they still talk like that. Like, it's weird. Yeah, and I guess I he know. was, like, upper class because he was a neurosurgeon in a bougie part of Ohio. But. Yeah, I named his son Chip. Like, maybe that's just the way we he We get speaks. it, Sherry. <laughs> Not to be, not to be. Listen, his uh, son um, is not on here, okay? Leave Chip out of this. <laughs> Stop coming for I'm Chip. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's going to be the last Chip comment. I promise. All right. Well, don't hold your breath, but. Um, so. <laughs> oh, I may have read the quote wrong. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. I'm running on not a lot of sleep. I went to a concert last night. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. The little rager that you are. I know. I'm like such a party girl. None of your business. Anyway, so um, he did say, I felt myself twisting or choking and this terminated my consciousness. So then he's saying he passed out after he was twisting and choking. That definitely changes things. I'm really sorry about that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so when Sam woke up after this, um, it was nearly dawn and he was missing his shirt. Now, all I can think is like, Hello, Sam. What about your child? Right. I feel like, I don't know. Like, if I saw this, like, man who had just killed my wife, I'm not going to, like, run after him and chase him down the shore and lunge at him until I lose consciousness because I know that my child is vulnerable in the house. Why wouldn't he call the and police the right on spot? And the most likely still open? Right. Like, why wouldn't he just call the police right on spot when he's in the house and be like, hey... This guy just killed my wife. Here's exactly what he looks like. I'm going to, like, hide my kid. You guys go get him. Like, because at that point, it's, like, unfortunately to say, like, your wife is dead. And now your kid is who you have to be caring about, like, primarily. Because, like, what can you do? Like, the investigation will happen. But, like, you have to take care of your kid. God forbid this white form comes back. Oh, my God. I can't with the white form. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, my first instinct, too, would be to, like, go to my child. Right. So it's weird that he did. I mean, he does go. It's not to say that he just didn't think of Chip at all. He did go and, like, check in his bedroom and notice no. that he was sleeping soundly. But I feel like that's just, like, not going to cut it for me. It's not because the door is most likely still open outside. You ran outside. You're not going to think to close the door and lock it in with the key and then you're running out the door, right? And they didn't have, like, baby monitors yet. So it's, like, it's not like he, like... Would have been able to tell if the guy went back and... I don't know. It's just, like, a big mess. So, anyway. So, July 4th now, because you remember the party that they had was the 3rd of July. So, now it's July 4th. 
um, and the police arrive on the scene. Now, they obviously note this. The only witness to this possible murderer is also the most likely suspect in the murder. So the police's theory at this point is Sam killed his wife because there's no evidence of robbery. And the blood on Marilyn's pillow supposedly showed an impression of a surgical weapon. Now, like I said, he is a neurosurgeon. So the police are like, got him. Yeah. But, like, what? I want to know what surgical weapon. And I want to know, like, did he just maybe have that in his house? And, like. No. What do you need that at home for? I don't know. I'm not a neurosurgeon. No. I'm not, but I'm telling you, it's not. It's not. It's just not. Okay, well. What, it's sketchy to me. Well, what about, okay, so a surgical weapon could be, mm. like, literally. Mm. Listen, if you're going to be a bitch, I'll hang up on you. <laughs> Put you right in your place. Have to finish. Not, not on my watch. Not if you're being a bitch. <laughs> oh okay. You understand? Okay. Loud and clear. Okay, thank you. Loud and clear. <laughs> so, I'm just thinking, like, listen, Sherry. I have so many things in my house that, like, I don't know. Maybe a stupid, dumb, idiot man police officer would think is a surgical weapon. Like, I want to know: Did Marilyn do her nails? Because, you know, like, the little pick thing (laughs) that you use to, like, get dirt out of underneath your fingernail. Like, that could look like a surgical weapon. That's true. I was, I'm hope, I was going under the impression that hopefully they weren't that idiotic. You never know. you know what? You never know. Exactly. You truly never know. So if it's something like that, then, like, yeah. And, like, also they could be... They could be operating under the instinct that, like, Sam did it. So, like, oh, that impression in the bed. Like, oh, that looks like it could be a surgical weapon. Where's the weapon? I want to know where the surgical weapon is. Right. You know? Anyway. I don't know why in my head I was picturing, like, a scalpel. Sam's wristwatch, fraternity ring, and keys were all covered in blood outside. To which I say, Sam, what are you still doing wearing your fraternity ring? All right, you're a goddamn neurosurgeon, okay? Why are you still trying to live those glory days? Throw it away, Sam. Throw it away. And why is it on the lawn? That means you were wearing it recently, Sam. Or it was just at least out in plain sight for this white form to grab off the desk and put on the lawn covered in blood. To which I say, if he did, why was your fraternity ring out and about when you're a grown-ass man with a child and you're a neurosurgeon? I mean, listen, I don't think Sam did it. But I think he's stupid. You Really? <laughs> okay. There we go. There we go. I mean, I haven't spoken to an attorney about if I'm allowed to say that. No, I'm just kidding. I definitely... I, I think I'm definitely allowed to say that I don't think he did it. And that's my opinion. And yeah. I will tell you what. I don't think you will think he did it either. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if he did it. Oh my God. I'm like so up and down about this case. I can't even. So, okay. Dr. Gerber is the coroner um, and he called an inquest and subpoenaed Sam. He wants to know, did you and Sue Hayes at any time sleep in the same bed? Now, who Sue Hayes is is not really important to us. But what the coroner is trying to say is that Sam did not have a happy marriage with his wife, Marilyn. There was also a particular random witness who supposedly saw Marilyn out and about. And they, like, 
had small talk and then Marilyn was like, oh, are you married? And the woman was like, no, I'm divorced. And Marilyn said, supposedly, oh, that's what I'm going to do or something. The woman was like a, like a witness for the prosecution. So I think it's just like important to say that, you know, a lot of their evidence and a lot of the witnesses are like pretty circumstantial here. Right. And eyewitness testimony is not reliable. Well, and not even eyewitness testimony. It's just like, that's just a character thing. Like, how can she even say that? Because Marilyn is dead, and like, she never even really knew Marilyn, and the police are just gonna be like, yep, put her up on the stand. The prosecution will work with it. Like, I just don't think it's really a good fact at all. If if it even is a fact. Like, we can't prove it. The inquest lasted three days, and it was incredibly biased. The Cleveland press basically just, like, goaded prosecutors to charge Sam. One newspaper wrote, and this is literally from the Cleveland News, Doctor reenacts story of murder, rejects lie test. So that's the title of it. Then it says, Dr. Samuel H. Shepard declined to submit to a lie detector test for questioning about the slaying of his attractive wife. It was disclosed today. Now, that is on page one of the news. Page one. And this is July 9th. So it's just a measly five days after the murder. And they're, I I mean, I'm I mean, this is from a 2022 lens, but I'm like, attractive wife? They're just, this is automatically making him look guilty because they're like, wow, this smart doctor killed his attractive wife. You know what I mean? Yeah, based on that headline alone, anyone reading it's going to be like, oh, he did it. Like, there's a little extra added layer of sympathy and like, oh, poor her. Yeah. And so on our Instagram post for this episode, you can see some more newspaper clippings. And I even, one of the sources is going to be just like fully just newspaper clippings from this time. But you can dive into it and see that like the news was really influencing the way that this case went forward. And so essentially prosecutors charged him for the murder of his pregnant wife because of the press. Court of public opinion. Like I bet they were yeah. on him from the start. Oh, absolutely. And and the thing is is like this is the 50s and it was just so different. Like the ethics of being a journalist was so different. We we now know things that like unless you fact check that you know, it's not going to end up being credible and da-da-da. But, like, these were big newspapers that were printing things that were not really validated. And and people, like, just read it on the street. They get a glimpse of the headline and they're just like, that's it. He did it. So it was very, it was a very right. crazy time. Now, the jury... And that's the only way they're getting news, too. Like, exactly. Like, now we have They don't really get the... Phones, op- so like, it's, like, very... Right, and we get to kind of handpick, like... I don't think that's a reputable source. Like, let me pick something else. They kind of just had what whatever was local news. Ultimately, the jury found Sam guilty, and he was given life in prison with possibility of parole after 10 years. Now, unrelated to the case, but I think it's worth noting because this is how um, heavy false imprisonment is. And I'm not saying for certain that he was falsely accused. But um, his mother died by suicide just a few weeks later, and his father passed away days after. Now, several years later, Marilyn's father would also die by suicide. So I just think it is important to note how extremely heavy this case 
was on all of the family members involved, not just Sam. That is, I, seriously, his son, Chip, I can't imagine that. Oh, and. Like, Sam, obviously, that's terrible, but, like, his son. Yeah, and his son to this day actually um, is, like, working very hard to prove his innocence, and it's, you know, it's, it's a big big deal but sam's brothers continued to support him and they actually hired a forensic scientist but kerner kerner i'm sorry i have such a hard time saying that word coroner gerber did not introduce any fingerprint evidence at all gerber got to the scene and told another detective quote it's obvious that the doctor did it F. Lee Bailey, who is... Not the plotting against him from the start. Hey, it's just like off. when you... Exactly. It's like when you get on a scene and you already think you know who did it, then th- that person or whoever is involved, the victim especially, is doomed. Justice is never going to prevail when you get on the scene and you already think you know everything. The whole point no, is because then your mind's going to start... Right. Your mind's going to start finding facts to corroborate what you already, like... Yeah, it's like just a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think that's mind. the thing, it's going to be the thing in your mind. F. Lee Bailey, who was hired by his brothers, argued that the trial was poorly managed because of the judge. Now, Judge Blythin was seeking re-election, and he probably didn't move the trial because of that. Now, we'll talk about why it would have been important for him to move the trial and whatnot, but I just kind of wanted to go on a little bit more about this judge because he's kind of a pile of horse shit i mean okay (laughs) this columnist who we're gonna call dorothy um she said she had this unethical conversation with judge blythin where he said the quote the case was open and shut he's guilty as hell if she had said anything at the time she would have been removed from the case and this was like the case of her lifetime i think she's a piece of shit for that but you know Apparently, this is just the right, way like, the world why works. Even... Why would you want to stage your whole career on that? But, yeah. Bailey petitioned, essentially, to have a retrial. And thank God, it was granted. Now, Dr. Kirk, who was a forensic analyst, said that the blood spatter would have been all over the murderer. And Sam only had a little speck of blood on his pants. Kirk also determined much of the splatter came from the backswing of the weapon, which indicated that the murderer would have used their left hand, and Sam was right-handed. Marilyn's teeth were also found under her body, meaning that she had likely broken them when she was biting her attacker, and Sam's body was examined, and he had no bite marks. Now, there was a blood spot found on the closet door, that didn't match Sam or Marilyn's. Was it ever tested? No. Three witnesses also testified to seeing a man matching Sam's statement. Two witnesses testified to seeing this man between 3.30 and 4 a.m., and as you remember, Marilyn's death was said to have been around 4.30 in the morning. The man's description was white, between 32 and 42 years, a wide nose, bushy crew-cut hair, light auburn in color, bushy eyebrows, and long sideburns. Now, Chip Shepard... Which matches Sam's description. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Chip Shepard came in with some research. Richard Eberling had been the Shepard's handyman at the time, and he was found in possession of two stolen rings of Marilyn's. 
He passed a polygraph in which he was asked if he killed Marilyn, and because of this, they didn't look into him more. However, Eberling gave a deathbed confession that he killed Marilyn Shepard. Of course, because he was on his deathbed, he was never tried for it, and because the police thought that they had the right guy, they just didn't really look into it. F. Lee Bailey thinks that Marilyn's death could have been done by another woman. Rumors that Marilyn was having an affair with Spencer Hoke, who is the mayor that Sam called immediately. So th- they those rumors kind of like spread around. And so F. Lee Bailey was under the impression that maybe Esther Hulk did it. Um, Esther is married to the mayor. He said, quote, a jealous killing requires a woman killer. To which I say, F. Lee Bailey, aren't you supposed to be on the right side of this? I don't, <laughs> can we just chill about that? Because I'm sorry, I've never known, like, I, I don't know. I, I, men can be just as jealous as women, okay? I've had jealous exes. I just have. I know them. They could be crazy. If not more. Right. So Esther admitted in court that she was left-handed and that she ignited her fireplace that morning, even though it was a hot summer. So that was a little bit damning. Um, but again... <laughs> So that was uh, a little bit damning, but... I mean, she's a woman. She could do anything that... I don't know. I just feel like this is just like... She's a woman. She did it. She's crazy. Women are crazy. Yeah, it's weird she lit her fireplace, but like maybe she was... I don't know. Maybe there was... She's not the one on trial here, okay? That's very much the narrative. I don't know why I'm so mad for Esther, but I am. Another theory is James Call an Air Force pilot who went AWOL in 1954 and he went on this, like, murderous streak. He did have a a deep bite mark on his left finger. I don't really want to get too much into this because I think it's just how, like, everyone assumes, like, Israel Keys did all crimes. I think it's just, like, people want to be like, oh, there was a murder in the area. It was them. (laughs) You know? When there's nothing really to back it up. Right, exactly. So, okay. A few crazy things to throw at you before we talk about the actual um, precedent here. The Supreme Court, in an 8-1 to vote, ruled that Shepard did not get a fair trial, and he was further acquitted. Now, his innocence is still in question, but there is certainly enough reasonable doubt as well. This case in the law is extremely prevalent because it's basically one of those, like, First Amendment cases that I mean I learned it in school I don't know if you did but it it basically is just one of those first amendment cases like is how far do we take the freedom of the press Sam had challenged that he did not receive a fair trial because the trial judge failed to protect him from the massive widespread and prejudicial publicity that ended up being his prosecution essentially like the prosecutors didn't have to do anything The media was able to cover the case in a very hostile way, and the courtroom was actually arranged in a way in which, like, the prosecutors could just, like, address and essentially collude with the media, which all just kind of inflamed the jurors' minds and denied Shepard a fair trial. And when I say they could collude with the media, I mean, like, the prosecutors would straight up, like, say something directed at the media instead of directed at the judge. And whether or not it was, like, something that the judge allowed in court, the media already heard it. You know what I mean? It's like, if the judge said disregard, it's like, well, he already wrote it down. So, you know, it's just not really... 
it was very... That's so fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself. The court then said that the trial judge should have either postponed the case, which I have questions about because isn't isn't everybody entitled to a speedy trial? I don't... (laughs) Um, But... Or moved it to a different location. And we saw this in the Helicrafts case. It was moved because of how wild the story was and how many people were aware of it. And it's just, you don't get a fair trial if everyone already thinks they know the answers. That is at least the good thing, is that this case will go down as the case that, you know, kind of stopped the media circus in the courtroom. Right. Um, A circus-like media trial can pit freedom of the press against the right to a fair trial and so that's essentially where they landed in this to which i say if this is our precedent can we guarantee that amber heard got a fair trial i mean i'm not for her i think she's a sack of shit i also kind of think that about johnny depp great actor but piece of shit man um (laughs) but like You know, I mean, how can we say that they did? Because that was a media circus, if you ask me. But how do we define media circus, you know? like I don't know. I think it it may be a little bit easier to, like... I just think now everything is a media circus. Like, how do you contain that now? You can't really. Yeah. No, truly. And as time goes on, these cases, this 1954 precedent, I mean, it can't really stand up to the test of today because we have different i mean people could be in the courtroom with social media like i mean of course they right. try to we've stop seen it that, in cases exactly of, like, so people literally live tweeting from the courtroom right so it's just i i don't know i wouldn't wish that job on my worst enemy but something i feel like something was incredibly unfair about the johnny depp and amber heard trial and i think that a case like this could have definitely become a bigger influence if they use more precedent that's more timely, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I'm talking in circles. I'm kind of just making a mess of what I'm saying. But do you know what I mean? Like, I think it, it just we need to keep up with like, yeah, we don't need media circuses. But how do we prevent in, 22, in 2022 this kind of thing from happening? Right. And like. Again, you don't know, I wouldn't even know where to start either, but I do think the people that do know, the people who are knowledgeable about all this stuff really need to have changes to these cases because it is so old and antiquated and life is not like how it was in the 50s. It's just not. And so the laws need to adapt with the times. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they did because I, I haven't really looked into it further, but I just think if all of the media that you know, reported things on the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial and, like, courtroom TV. Like, how is any of that... Oh, my God, Judge Judy! I don't get it. (laughs) Well, I mean, come on. (laughs) She's Judge Judy. That's just good TV. Just leave it alone. Uh, No questions there. After Shepard's release from prison, this is just, like, a real hanky random fact that I just think is fun and interesting and crazy. Um, But I don't think it makes him a murderer, so don't get it twisted. Okay. After his release from prison, he married a German woman, Arian Tebben 
Johans, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but who he had like exchanged letters with in prison. And I'll just, I, I'm going to come right out and say it. And I hope no one gets mad at me for this. But if you met your husband because he was in prison and you wrote letters to him, you're a red flag to me. It's not the man that's the red flag. It's you. It, the, the calls from, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, 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 yep. It's extremely weird. That shit gets me like, every time. And people like seek. Why are you actively searching for that man? Yeah, absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. No. Mm -mm, Not for me. But, so anyway, it was later discovered that her half-sister was the wife of Joseph Goebbels. So this was Shepard's new brother-in-law, and he was Adolf Hitler's propaganda minister. So, again, doesn't make Shepard a murderer, but, like, he's just surrounded by chaos. He also had his medical license reinstated and then revoked after two patients died in surgery in his care. His wife then divorced him, and then he became a professional wrestler going by the name Killer. He then married a a 19-year-old girl who is the daughter of his wrestling manager, and unfortunately, at age 46, he died of liver disease after battling alcoholism and depression. Now, all of this is just sad and crazy facts that I just thought to put into the case because if I were researching it, I would want to know these things because I stumbled upon them and I thought that they were interesting and crazy. But at its core, all of this just says we don't know what the hell happened to Marilyn Shepard. Thanks for listening. You can catch us on Instagram at the Chalkline Pod, Twitter at the Chalkline Pod. And follow along with our YouTube channel. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story.